Almost went off the deep end there. Whoo. I'm out of breath. I haven't done this in several weeks, y'all. I've been out of practice of doing the grading. See, you fall out off the wagon, get a little busy with stuff going on around the house, around life and whatnot. You lose track of what you're doing with the old podcast. Suddenly you come back, you try and get into the groove of it, and you blow a hamstring. Or, you know, in my case, it was going to be a vocal cord there or something. You know, it's very, you know, I enjoy doing the little opening there because it's goofy. It seems like, you know, kind of throwback to Robin Williams and Good Morning Vietnam, that kind of thing, which is a movie I've always loved. I always love Robin Williams. But it just, it's one of those goofy little things that I like to try and do to get everybody woke up and get everybody engaged in the show here. And it's out of, you know, it's like you're out of practice. You know, you haven't played ball in a while or you haven't ridden a bike in a while I, I never actually learned how to ride a bike i'll be honest with you i i <laughs> I, I have a trike i'll say that i have a trike it is a very nice bicycle it's a schwinn and uh you used it for a number of years it's in storage currently you haven't used it in a while uh, it's another one of those things where it's like you know we by virtue of having children, we started to do other things than what we were doing before. My wife and I used to go on bike rides occasionally, but the bikes have both been in storage for a couple of years here now. But, you know, it's like I was saying, you got to practice with stuff like that, and you forget how to do it. I never learned how to ride a bike. I never really had any use for it whenever I was growing up as a kid because our neighborhood was so small, I'd just walk around and what have you. And it was just, it, bikes just never were my thing. But, you know, with, with the voice there, it's like anything else. You get out of practice, you get out of, you know, the idea of doing something, and suddenly you do it, and then you regret it because suddenly you're on the side of the road with a, you know, a blown tire or a head gasket that's out of whack or whatever. You know, I don't know cars, I don't know where that analogy came from. But it's just, it's just proof of point, proof of the matter, that we hadn't done this in a couple of weeks, and I went cold into this here, and I'm thinking, all right, we'll just do the same thing you always do. And here I am now with a little bit of a twinge in my throat, and we're going to see how long we get along with this. But I think we're okay. I think we're all right. I have a beverage. have a nice cold glass of water here. Hopefully that will be fine. Hopefully it will all be fine. We'll be good. We'll be all right. We'll get through this together somehow. Greetings. Welcome. Come on in. Turn it up. It's the weekly trim with yours, Beardly. See, I got through that all right. That was fine. And I am the one and only Redbeard. Or at least the only guy who calls himself Redbeard in the next 10 square miles or so. You know, I, I say that. I've called myself Redbeard here for years. And 
<laughs> by virtue of getting older, by virtue of things changing in your life to where you begin to say, okay, well, I have to acknowledge that there have been some things that have led to some change in color to my hair, some thinning to certain aspects of my hair, and maybe naming yourself after a physical trait that can change over the course of your life might not have been the most ideal thing because the red isn't really there that much anymore. It really is, is gone almost entirely with the exception of some towards the middle of like the chin and whatnot. It's still there a little bit, but by and large, it started to go salt and pepper. It started to go gray. In some areas, it's just plain white which is really bothersome because as pale as I am, the skin and the hair blends in. So it's like, is there a beard there? I don't know. Is there skin there? Maybe. Eh, who knows? But, you know, the the red beard thing, I may have to rethink this at some point. I, I, I think I'll always probably you know, refer to myself as red beard, but it will probably be under the pretenses of me at some point acknowledging, hey, in order to keep this up, we're going to have to maybe pursue some engagement with just for men or something like that. Whatever. It, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Regardless, folks, I appreciate you being a part of the broadcast here and for continuing to be a, a, a big part of what we do here on the channel. The real reason we do what we do is you guys and coming in to listen and hang out with us, whether it be here on the podcast, some of our match videos, some of our older content in terms of like the old Wrestle the Redbeard vlog episodes. I do intend at some point to do those again. I really intended to get back into doing them as we return to the professional wrestling scene here in the Carolinas to sort of document how things are different now that we're in the, so to speak, COVID era of things. But you know, I just haven't really had the, the I don't want to say energy, but maybe the inspiration to do that yet because uh, I really wanted to just play and watch wrestling. I, I went to a show here a little bit ago, actually about two weeks ago here or so, I want to say, and um, I was all primed, set, and ready to do the whole documentarian thing. And it was just like, no, I just want to watch the show because I think we're all to a point where we want some sense of normalcy and I didn't want to interrupt my own good time by virtue of trying to go above and beyond and, you know, pick out little stuff here and there. Cause that's what, you know, as the, the vlog evolved, that was really what that was about. But though that's out there too, all kinds of stuff for you to enjoy here on the channel. We hope you are enjoying yourself. We hope you will consider subscribing to the channel if you have not already. Also give us a like comment, all that good stuff that us YouTubers and influencers are supposed to beg you for. This is the October 26th, 2020 edition of the program. Uh, if you're following along at home or wherever you may be listening, whether it be on YouTube, on Anchor.fm, on any of the other uh, platforms that we're now associated with, you might notice that there's been about a three-week gap between here and the last time we did anything. Well, we got a little busy, got got a little tied up. Well, life has a way of doing that to you, but you know, at the same time, it was it was kind of due because. We had a lot going on. We had a good run there in terms of producing some episodes almost every week there for better than a month. So it, it was going to come to a, an end at some point in time. And it was really unavoidable for a number of reasons. This past week, for example, we had my family now, that is, had a big time thing going on as we celebrated my son's sixth birthday. 
uh, with a surprise trip. Now, he, he's been to this location before. It's not exactly a new thing to him, so he's he's a spoiled brat. I'll go ahead and say no, but he's he's my spoiled brat. That's the thing there. <laughs> we uh, surprised him this past Monday. We woke him up as if he was going to get ready to go to school, and got him to a point where he was ready to go and said, you know, Jonathan, we're, uh, we're, we're not actually going to school today, buddy. We're, we're going somewhere else. Uh, cause he's, you know, he's like everybody else by that point. Cause we have to get up and get ready to go to school. Uh, he has to be at his school around seven forty-five in the morning. And you know, he, everybody's kind of, especially on Monday mornings there, but we got him up, got him going, got him moving, dressed whole nine yards there, ready to go to school. And then we said, well, you know, you're, we're not actually going to school, buddy. We're going somewhere else today. Well, yeah, we, we're going to do something for your birthday. We're going to take a little trip. Okay. Where are we going? Oh, Disney World. Whoa! And it was a great moment because it was a total surprise to him. Uh, we had, of course, planned this for several weeks in advance here. And it was just one of those really cool things where we uh, we hope to give him a great memory with this sixth birthday here. We hope to give him great memories with each of his birthdays because really and truly, he's he's that special to us because uh, I'll, I don't know that I've ever really regaled everybody with the story of you know Jonathan and our pursuit of having children, but he's he's really special to my wife and I, and he's he's unless something strange happens, he's going to be our only child there as well. So we want to do something special for him every year, and this year we surprised him with a trip to Disney World. There, um, this was a thing that was timed very i don't want to say coincidentally but it was it was timed uh, let's say appropriately because uh, my son at this point in his life is a huge fan of the nightmare before christmas and in particular the jack skellington character who's of course the main character of nightmare before christmas and the neat thing about what uh, is happening at the magic kingdom right now is because the, the fact they can't do the normal halloween stuff they are doing uh, sort of a random assortment of character interactions, and they're calling them character cavalcades, which it amounts to the characters being trotted out on some type of parade float type thing. They have they have one for like the princesses, uh, they have one for Mickey and the little cuddly characters there. But then they this time of year they because it's Halloween and because it's appropriate, they have the villains out there on one of these things, and then. They have Jack Skillington, Sally, and Oogie Boogie on one of these things. Now, here's the trick of it. They don't publish the schedule with these things. So you know that they're probably going to be around, but you don't know when. So we booked the trip. We said, okay, all right, we're going to have one day at Magic Kingdom. We're going to have one day at Hollywood Studios. And the day at Magic Kingdom, the goal is get him to see Jack Skellington because it's, of course, the character on the parade float. It's, you know, an actor in costume, whole nine yards, but it's Jack Skellington is the important thing. So the the whole, whole uh, goal really of the entire trip was to allow uh, Jonathan to have some interaction with Jack there, albeit, you know, it's going to be from 20 feet away on the float and whatnot, hopefully. And we got there, uh, we rode down Monday, had very uneventful 
uh, trip there, got there around five or six in the afternoon, had a little bit of issue around I-4 in Orlando traffic, but I-4 in Orlando is a nightmare regardless of what time of day or what time of year you seem to go down there. It's been in some level of construction for almost 20 years now, it seems like, and they haven't finished it yet. But we got down there Monday, and then Tuesday was going to be our day at Magic Kingdom. So we got up, not really want to you know, do rope drop, as they say. Rope drop is, is the official grand opening of the park daily there. Uh, we didn't want to do that because we'd already been, you know, of course, to Magic Kingdom lots of times in the past. We didn't see any need to go slamming in there because it was like, all right, well, we'll get to, we'll get there, we'll do what we want to do, and then we'll just have a good time at a leisurely pace. And you can do that right now because thanks to the way the business has changed, thanks to COVID, the um, the park no longer uses the FastPass system, which was the the, the um, reservation system they had for rides and whatnot. They're no longer doing that, at least not for the time being. So at this point, whenever you get there, you get up to the ride, and whenever you get in your spot in line is when you get in the ride. It works pretty well at this point because they're also limiting the amount of people who can come into the parks on a daily basis. It's around 30% of capacity, purportedly, is what they're allowing in right now. But we got in to the park around 10, 10.30-ish, somewhere in there, relatively early in the day. Because I think the park opened around 9 or 10 that day. And we got in there, and as you walk towards Cinderella's Castle down Main Street, USA, there's an area in front of the castle that's called the Hub. This was a, a thing that they put in uh, within the past you know, five, ten years to where it was a gathering point to where they could not only have sort of a parade route around in front of the castle, but also allow people to really have enough space to gather and congregate and enjoy the shows and fireworks that they do around Cinderella's castle there. Um, so we got there and we were in the hub area, taking some pictures, enjoying the area. Uh, the castle has been recently repainted. It has this awesome rose gold color now that uh, combines with blues and golds and silvers to make really a, a color palette that really does pop, uh, regardless of what color the background may be in terms of if the skies are kind of cloudy like it was when we were there, or if it's you know bright and sunny. It really just has an awesome color scheme to it. But we got there, and you know we were taking pictures and just kind of hanging around, and suddenly I noticed that the music changed. Which the music, in if you ever, you know, it's one of these things where if you go to the Magic Kingdom often or repeatedly or any of these parks, you start to notice their cues, the things that will let you know what's happening around you. And a change in music is very vivid in terms of it being like, okay, here's this kind of and then it changes to and it was like, whoa, wait a minute. Something is different here suddenly. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, well, that that sounds kind of like a uh, darker, more somber type music there. What is this? Uh, so I'm looking for the Villains Parade float. I'm thinking, okay, well, that's what's coming around now. So I'm facing the castle, and if you're familiar with the layout of the area around this part of the park at all, you'll know that to the, sort of the left of the castle, there's a road that goes towards for example, the uh, Hall of Presidents and that part of the park there. And I turned to look down that road or down that path, whatever you want to call it, and there they were. 
Jack, Sally, Oogie Boogie. We could not have timed this any better in a million years. And, you know, I've told the story, I wrote it on my Facebook page there uh, about just how, you know, if any moment of our day goes differently up to that point, we don't see these characters, maybe at all, because it was raining that day. And like I said before, we don't have a schedule of when they're going to be coming around. We don't know if they're going to be coming around at all. We just had an you know, an idea that, okay, they're going to be there, we think, so we need to be there as well. And lo and behold, we got there. We were in the exact right moment for this to happen. And it was like just lightning in a bottle. Because we, we, we of course saw them coming, so it, the rush is suddenly okay. Let's get him to a point where he can see them. Fortunately, not that many people around the hub area, so there were some, you know, some people there. Not very many though, so we got him up there to, to where he was up around the curb area, and he's able to see Jack. He's able to wave at him to see you know these characters as alive as they'll ever be there in front of him. And here's the kicker. When you go to these parks and you check in, if you have to go to like the front desk, they don't want you necessarily to go to the front desk unless you have to right now, again, because of COVID. But my wife and son went up there because there was, I don't think it was an issue with her room. There was something to where um, she wanted to go up there to, I think, check with some aspect of our reservation. But at any rate, um, she went to the front desk area and they apparently asked her, are you celebrating anything? And you know, we've been there before for like anniversaries or whatever, but, uh, they also celebrate birthdays. And when you are celebrating something, they'll give you a pin. Well, the pin of course says I'm celebrating my birthday and you can, uh, usually have the, uh, the cast member will write your name on there as well. Um, it's just one of those cool things to where as other cast members see you wearing this pin, they'll tell you happy birthday. Well, as we were there with Jonathan, you know, here on the front row, as he's on the curb, Jack turns and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to claim any type of you know, responsibility for this, but I'm kind of pointing at Jonathan's head to try and get them to say, look at him. He's here. He loves you guys type stuff. <laughs> so, but the, you know, the Sally character had obviously seen him. She turns and kind of, you know, is in some way, shape or form trying to get Jack's attention. Jack turns, looks at us, sees Jonathan and says, happy birthday. I kid you not. How this guy, this actor, and I'm, I wish I could you know, personally thank the dude, but how he turned, saw Jonathan, saw the pin from a good 20 feet away through that mask and everything else, it's just, you know, it, it, we talk about Disney magic. That could not be any more of a pr- example, a perfect example, that is, of what Disney magic really is. Because that moment there where Jonathan got that acknowledgement, he had that moment, even if it was a short little glimpse of something, it was his. And it's just proof of Disney magic to us. It's, you know, the smiles, the laughter, everything that you put into a trip like this in terms of the money, the wear and tear on getting up and down the road, you know, all the seeming frustration and whatnot to see his smile to see him 
reacting to these characters and to to be in that moment. It's worth everything to me you know, and to my wife as well because she's obviously as big a fan of this stuff as I am. And it just it just blew us away. And the the you know the the funny thing, too, other than just you know, the fact that it all worked out the way it did, was that after it was over, we you know we got him in front of him one time there. Then we kind of trotted around to another side of the ring there, and or the the hub I should say. It's made like a ring, but we trotted around there again just so he could say you know wave at him one more time. Uh, Oogie Boogie was kind of because Jonathan was wearing a shirt that looked like. Uh, Jack's tuxedo that he wears as being the pumpkin king and whatnot. But we, we got him back over there and he, he got around to see Oogie Boogie and those again. And Oogie Boogie was like, bah. you know, as if to say, I don't like you for you know wearing that outfit and whatnot. It's playful though. It's not like he was being mean, but the, the whole thing there with seeing him, you know, not once, but twice, um, it, it couldn't have gone any better, but after it was over, you know, after we were done there and they had started to shuffle off and go on their merry way, um, my wife and I, you know, I turned to her and we were both just, it was like this big weight had been taken off of us because we, we both felt really obligated and it's okay. One of us is just going to have to stay here on main street USA all day to see if these characters come along. And if you see them, if you get the inclination, okay, they're coming. Whoever's not here will come running with the kid and we'll make sure he gets to see Jack. We didn't have to do that though, because somehow, some way Jack was there. They were there. And it's just, it's, it was lightning in a bottle. And that moment of relief there was present in both of us after it was all gone and they were starting to, you know, go on down Main Street USA because I turned to my wife and you could tell she was just, you know, as relieved as could be, as happy as could be, and I high-fived her as though we had just won Game 7 of, like, the Stanley Cup tournament or whatnot. We we were just overjoyed. We could not have been more happy because everything we had done to that point was all about that moment, and we were successful in making that happen. You know, I, I should I say we. There was a lot that fit into that moment happening there. So we were just, we were super pleased. We could not have been more happy about uh, that uh, occasion there. The trip overall was fantastic. We had a great time. Uh, the one thing, you know, we went, we went to Hollywood Studios the next day there. And, you know, Hollywood Studios has always been one of my top two parks. Sometimes people think I'm a little bit weird for having... Uh, Epcot is one of my favorite parks, but I, I've always enjoyed Epcot. I thought Epcot was a really cool place. Some of the newer changes, some of the revisions they've made have kind of pushed it a little bit further down the line. Um, but Hollywood Studios and Epcot have always been my top two in terms of my favorite parks. Um, so in going to Hollywood Studios now, you're really going there for one of two reasons, and that's either for Toy Story Land or Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge being the Star Wars land, quote unquote, that they've made there. Uh, you know, it, me being a huge Star Wars fan, I could go there and just spend the day in Galaxy's Edge. But the way things are right now, with the the way that park exists, everybody's going to that part of the park, and it it, it isn't really able to exist as it was intended, because it was supposed to be this sort of living almost, you know, environment that had characters you could interact with and be this sort of 
character unto itself almost. It can't be that with 20,000 people in there. They really, you know, it's become a mess, I have to say. It's it's disappointing to me for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the fact that it's as crowded as it is. Uh, especially, you know, you'd think that there would be some limitation now with the you know COVID being around and what have you, but they, they have no real restriction seemingly on the number of people that can come into that part of the park. And it just, it's overflowing with people. And it really has lost a lot of its allure, I'll say. Because, again, it's like, okay, this is no longer this sort of special little place. It's just sort of a commercial dump, almost. And, you know, I, I enjoy the Smuggler's Road ride that's there. That's, uh, you know, it's patterned after an experience with the Millennium Falcon and whatnot. But a big part of my frustration with this area in the park is the fact that the other main ride there which is Rise of the Resistance. It's you know a, a huge endeavor, this technical marvel that they've created. But the thing is, for one, apparently is so problematic in terms of all the various ride systems that they have in it that it's broken a lot of the time. But two, they can't handle the capacity. It can't handle the, the draw that it has there in terms of the a number of uh, riders per day to where they have this sort of line lottery system twice per day now to where you have to get on your smartphone with your My Disney Experience app and hopefully if you are able to time this thing properly you'll by virtue of whatever magic it is behind the scenes get a spot to where you can ride the ride and if not oh I'm sorry you'll have to try again later okay well there's two time slots per day and I'm here for one day. So I have theoretically two chances to ride this thing. And there are maybe 30 or 40,000 people here who want to also ride this ride. So there's your odds. One in 40,000. Or, you know, if you have a group of people, you might have five in 40,000 or whatever. But it just it's almost impossible you know, for some people to get on this thing. And I tried twice. Didn't get on it either time. You go to the app, you press the little join button there, you make sure you confirm members of your party that want to participate, do whatever comes next. And in my case, I got a red flag that said, oh, well, we're full. See you next time. That just pissed me off. It really it was upsetting because for me on this trip, that was my one thing I wanted to do. That was, you know, Jonathan had his thing there, and it's perfectly fine. I'm a grown man. I'm going to go back at some point in time. But on this trip, it was like, all right, I want to be able to experience this ride. It's been open for more than a year here now. I should be able to get on it at this point. Nope, no dice. Couldn't get on it. So had to get on the new Mickey and Minnie ride instead and waited almost an hour and a half to get onto that one which uh, it, it took the place, the new Mickey and Minnie ride is called Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and it's taken the place of the uh, the ride building that was uh, once housed, um, or excuse me, the ride building that once housed the great movie ride now houses this ride, I should say. Uh, you know, it's a fun little ride, but I wanted to ride Rise of the Resistance, so eh, whatever. I was, you know, it, it left me with a sour taste in my mouth because, I feel like a person who spends that much money shouldn't have to engage in a lottery ticket system in order to 
hopefully be able to ride a ride. I think if you pay that much money, you ought to be able to come there and ride the damn ride. Because, <laughs> you know, it, that's one of the things that was part of all the, you know, the, if you look at the schematics for this thing back when they were reportedly building it and whatnot, it had a queue that could hold five hours of people in the set and the other. And I know things are different now with COVID, but still, if you've got the ability to get people in and out of there, then fine. But I think they've still got a long way to go in terms of making sure this ride actually functions as it should. There's a lot going on inside of it that seems to break down almost on a daily basis. So it is what it is. That was my only moment of frustration, though. Otherwise, we had a really cool trip. We had a lot of fun, ate a lot of good food, spent too much money. Uh, you know, it was just very memorable and a very cool thing. And, you know, you talk about spending more money there. Uh, here's the thing about it. I can earn more money. I can't earn more time. So the ability to spend time with my family, with my son, with my wife, that's the ultimate part of this there. It's the ultimate goal there as well. We had a great time. We enjoyed ourselves. And we've got a lot to look back on to say, hey, you know, we enjoyed this time together. And we had a ball. So no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We had a really good time there. Had a really fantastic hotel experience there as well. Uh, we stay at the Pop Century Resort, which is considered one of their value resorts. But to be honest with you, the revision that they've made, they recently remodeled all those rooms. The revisions that they've made have made them feel more like a slim-down, moderate-level room as opposed to something like a, you don't want to call it a cheapo room, but to be, you know, a lower-end room, it doesn't feel like it anymore because of what they've put in there. They've got, you know, like the waterfall shower heads and the big giant, like, it's got to be a 60-inch TV that's in these rooms now. Uh, all the amenities that you would expect in a higher-end room are there in these value, quote-unquote, resorts. So it was a fantastic experience there. Definitely encourage people who have a budget but still want to go to Disney to check those out because they're they're doable. They're very doable. Um, the resort, as I mentioned, fantastic food there. The resort was fantastic. Food in the restaurants as a whole was, was really fantastic. Um, the Skyliner system was a little bit of a it's a little bit of a drag because coming from Pop Century right now there is no bus service. There's no bus that takes you from the resort to Hollywood Studios right now. There's only the Skyliner, which you have it's Skyliner if you're not familiar with the gondola system. And it it works very efficiently, but um first thing in the morning, like whenever I was there, you have to get in line and in my case I was waiting in line almost an hour and a half. Because I wanted to try and get there early to be able to, again, get in the lottery for the Rise of the Resistance tokens. You have to be on the property. That's how, part of how the system works is that there's a geolocator involved in this thing to where it can tell if you're actually at the park. If you're not there, it doesn't work. So, you know, whatever. But in getting there that early, there was a very long line. And in coming from Pop Century, going to Hollywood Studios, you have to get off of the gondolas and get on to another set of them at the Caribbean Beach Relay Station. So you have to get in line, onto the gondola, off of the gondola, into another line, onto the gondola, and then finally at your destination there. It's a little bit of an ordeal. Not terrible, but a little bit of an ordeal. If it was a bus, you'd get on once, and you'd be there easily gondolas a little bit of a different story but all in all good trip 
four days there that we were away from, you know, work and everything else. I went in and took off Friday as well just because there was no way in hell I was going back to work there with one day in a work week. I uh, just was not going to be able to do that. I uh, didn't want to uh, subject myself to whatever pandemonium I'm going to, of course, face whenever we go back uh, to work there eventually. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, fantastic trip. Very enjoyable. Uh, not sure when we'll go back again, but uh, still, I'm glad we were able to make the memories that we did and have the time that we did because it couldn't have worked out better with the experience there with Jack Skellington and the characters from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. It was really just something else. And I still get a little bit of a chill whenever I think about it because it was just like, man, alive. It was the one thing we wanted to do during this trip, and it worked out as perfectly as it could have. So there's that little bit of little bit of Disney magic, a little bit of pixie dust that we got there at some point in time. So it is what it is, folks. Just uh, you can't uh, you can't mess with things when they're meant to be. So appreciate you guys for hanging out with us and tuning in to the old Wrestle Redbeard YouTube channel here and the weekly trim podcast. Gonna take a break here. Uh, gonna change the tone a little bit when we come back. This is gonna be a little bit of a shorter episode of the weekly trim here but i want to talk about something that's been sort of on my mind here and i'm just going to riff about it whenever we come back from the break because it's just it's something that i feel like needs to be addressed as we go forward in this world so we're going to take a break listen to some tunes then we'll come back and we're going to talk specifically about tone and whatnot so we'll uh return here in a moment stay tuned
Hey, hey, appreciate you guys continuing to hang out with us here on the old Weekly Trim Podcast as part of the Rats of the Redbeard YouTube channel. Also find us on Anchor.fm and all kinds of other hosting platforms where you can listen to our podcast and lots of other stuff there as well. So check us out, leave us a comment, like, subscribe if you were so inclined as well, and just do all those cool things that us YouTubers and influencers are supposed to ask you for. We appreciate it very much there. All right, I mentioned at the end of the last um, segment there, I wanted to change the kind of tone of this, but before I do that, I got to do one other thing. I was talking a lot about Star Wars and whatnot in the last uh, segment there. This is, of course, Mandalorian Week. Take a breath. New season of Mandalorian starts Friday. Just had to throw that in there because this is going to be an awesome thing. Uh, it's going to be a great thing to me to see the continuation of that show. I'm looking forward to it a lot. And that was one thing that we were, you, you saw a lot of while we were in um, like Hollywood Studios, specifically down there. A lot of uh, Mandalorian merch, specifically stuff geared towards the child. Of course, as you would expect, because he's the real marketable one. Not the you know the steel-plated Mandalorian assassin mercenary, whatever you want to call him. It's the kid. It's the Baby Yoda, even though it's not Baby Yoda. It's a baby version of whatever species it is that Yoda came from. But looking forward to the Mandalorian Season 2 here. Had to mention that as well before we get going here with this part of the segment, or part of the show, I should say. Um, here, Here's the thing. Yeah, I've been... I'll, I'll say that, you know, in, in beginning this, that, you know, usually whenever I get into one of these segments on the show, I have sort of an outline. I try and do some notes to give a little bit of structure to what I want to say. And this is just going to be me riffing because this is something that's been on my mind. It's been something that's sort of bothered me a lot here recently. And it, it seems to be something that is shifting within our culture and it's it's bothering me a lot because it's something that has bothered me my entire life um i consider myself to be an empathetic person and if you don't know what that means having empathy is sort of the i don't want to say the burden but that's the best way i can think of to describe it of feeling the emotions related to what others are experiencing and that is something that I think has been rooted in me from a child for, or from my childhood because of just how I was raised and because of some things that, you know, went on with me psychologically uh, in terms of the uh, childhood that I had. Not to say that I had a bad childhood necessarily, just that, you know, things were different for me. Uh, and I say that and I'll go ahead and, you know, continue to peel back the covers on my life here and whatnot. Um, I was born uh, with uh, the intention, of course, I'm sure, of being part of a regular family there, uh, mom, dad, familial unit, and then unfortunately things broke down the way they did. My mom and dad got divorced when I was very young. I have never actually, in my memory, ever met my biological father. Um, and I say biological father as if there was someone else involved in, at some point in time. My mother never was in, to, to my knowledge, any other relationships beyond the one that she had with my father. Um, it's, it's weird because I grew up in a scenario to where it was me, my mom, 
and my grandparents living in a, a fairly big home together. It was the home that my grandparents had built, intending, you know, well, this is going to be where we live and where we enjoy our lives for the remainder of it, because my grandfather was very successful in terms of the business he was involved in. And, you know, he was able to live a very comfortable life. We all were very comfortable by virtue of his earnings and some businesses that he was involved in and whatnot. But also my mother, she was a teacher. She um, taught elementary school for her entire adult life and was very good at it. Um, But because of the way things were there, it was different. It was not like, you know, everybody else's or at least a lot of the other guys that I grew up around, a lot of my other buddies and whatnot, because they all had, you know, the mother-father dynamic there, or a lot of them did. There were plenty of kids who were divorced, or excuse me, plenty of kids who came from divorced families or single-parent homes, whatever you want to call them, even though I was obviously not in a single-parent home. Um, And just, you know, by virtue of being, I guess, in conditions where being more sensitive to things was part of my rearing in saying, okay, well, you know, in in chastising me, my parents were never real big on, you know, they weren't big on like physical abuse or, or capital punishment, whatever you want to call it. They weren't like big spankers or whatnot. They would always try and, you know, say, okay, all right, well, you shouldn't do that or I wouldn't, you know, we won't be proud of you or something like that. Um, you'll, you know, you'll disappoint us. That's what it was kind of about is, They'll have that tone, and that's what we're getting at here. They'll have the tone of saying, "Okay, well, we're going to make us upset. We're, we're going to you know, regret doing things for you if you continue to act this way." Yada yada yada. And because of that, and I guess you know, because of just how it changed me psychologically, and also, you know, in school, I had plenty of teachers that did the same thing. That must have been a a thing back in the early '80s. You know, to okay, let's try and put this over and how we can handle our kids now. It was, you know, it just seemed like it was the the flavor of the week there almost in terms of how people were handling things. Although there were plenty of paddlings and spankings and whatnot there, it seemed like uh, it just, it was one of those things where that was the predominant method for trying to get over to you as a child. Okay, this is what you need to be doing. You shouldn't do that. You need to do this. And, you know, it is what it is in terms of, looking back on it because there's nothing I can do to change it now but it created within me a sense of okay anytime a person is being chastised or whatever you know you need to be paying attention to that because you did it you did it too and more often than not I had not done anything related to it but I can always remember, like in in school and whatnot, whenever one of the teachers or uh, one of the administrators, whoever it was going to be, was coming down on someone, I felt as though it was directed at me, even though, like I said, largely it was not. But it just it felt like it was, and I still feel that way now a lot of times because I'll know, you know, that what someone is being uh, hit with or whatever, it's not aimed at me, but it feels like, okay, this is you. You need to be you know, aware of this. You need to be cognizant of that there as well because this is actually about you. And it comes from that empathetic personality, whatever that I have there. And I'm not tooting my own horn there by saying that I have this. Trust me, if it was any other way that I could get around it because – yeah, I would I would very much appreciate the opportunity to have that because the anxiety that comes with this is tremendous. 
it's you know it's something that has eaten at me for a long time. It, it was to a point where you know when I was in my late teens and early twenties, going through high school and also college, to where there were situations and conditions to where I would feel these senses so much that you know, I didn't really know what was going on for a long time because I just I knew there was pain. But I didn't know specifically what was happening because it was pain in my abdomen. And then I described it to one of my uh, friends later on. I said, oh, you had stomach cramps. That sounds like some stomach cramps. And it, sure enough, it was. Um, and it was just it was to a point where I, I gave myself stomach cramps. I was so anxious over, you know, and, and nervous over a lot of the conditions that I was in, whether it be you know, performing at school, performing at home, whatever, relationships with friends, girlfriends, whole nine yards there. I, my stomach was in, knot, in uh, knots a lot of the time. And it was terrible because, you know, it, to sit there and feel that and then to say to yourself, okay, don't let on that you're in pain. Don't go to a doctor because Lord knows they'll do something to you that you don't want to do. Don't tell anybody because you'll be weird. Just eat it. You know, just sit there and eat it. That was the only thing I could do. That was the only thing I did for a long time. And still, you know, I don't have the stomach cramps anymore. I still deal with a fair amount of anxiety. It's not something that I feel like I should seek, you know, medication for. I've never been one to say, okay, you need to try and find some way of medicating yourself for what you're experiencing there. Although I'm sure there's plenty of pharmacology that could do that for you right now. Um, I just would sooner deal with it in terms of handling it internally. And it's gotten, it's gotten better over the years, but here recently I've noticed that it's kind of, it's kind of started to creep back in. And I've noticed that the tone of some people that I encounter on a daily basis is really not helping with things. And I don't know how, to really deal with that at this point because the people that's coming from are not people that I can really not be associated with. And it's, it's troubling because in most cases, the people that I'm getting this from are people that I love, that I appreciate or that I respect and have to be around. And I don't know, it's just very peculiar and it's very weird it's very much something that I don't know how to deal with, but it's something that I've noticed in terms of the tone that people use these days, the tone that people present. It's like people don't have a, a leveling system anymore, if that makes sense. It goes from, okay, we're here and we're talking to Mach 10. At least that's my perception of it anyway. And no matter how you know, innocuous it may be or how someone may think, okay, well, this was the proper way of handling it. In my mind, in my ability to digest it, to consume, you know, whatever that person is putting over, it a lot of times will just plain lock me up. And I'll give you kind of an example of something that I encountered here. Um, This is a situation that I encountered at work. Uh, I'm not going to go into a whole huge amount of detail because of the fact that I've you know, I've, I've said before, I don't talk about work here. It's just 
uh, one of those things that's sort of keep isolated and whatnot. But in the context of wanting to have this conversation, I have to bring this up and describe what happened here. We were we're engaging in a project right now in my business uh, to sort of revamp a aspect of our communications. And it's a project that's been going on for close to a year. We're almost done with it now. But in handling the various offices that I deal with, there's one in particular that is like a you know, very super important aspect of things that we do. And there are, of course, individuals who were over this particular office. Well, there was a situation that happened to where in doing what we had to do to engage this project at this office that changed some of the things that they had done previously with some of their equipment and whatnot. And there was a reactionary moment to where I had attempted to communicate with an individual and the response that I got, I was asking for clarification on some things and trying to get to a point where we could neaten up, you know, what was being done in terms of the work there and, you know, hopefully get it to to a point of completion. And the response that I got back from the individual uh, who was over this uh, office was basically to say, okay, well, you've broken everything that we've done within the past year. I've spent all this money, and now it's all basically moot because of what you've done. And it was confusing to me because, again, in communicating to this individual previously, things were fine. We were on good standing, but suddenly, whenever you know I'm trying to communicate, okay, well, well this is um, our our home stretch here. This is what we need to do for you in order to make sure that we're buttoned up and that we're ready to rock and roll. It was out of nowhere that suddenly these problems existed, and not not even that the problems existed, but the fact that this person went so far as to communicate the issue to all of my bosses as well as some other offices as well. And it was just, it was very unnecessary. The, again, the tone of what this person chose to do, but also just the, the, the inclusion of these other peers of mine to where it's like, okay, I'm now trying to get over on you and to in some way, shape or form, try and ensure that this project fails it was just very confusing to me. And I don't understand why people would choose to be like that because here's the thing. In my line of work, yes, things can be changed. Things can, in some cases, break. But guess what? Nine times out of ten, even probably 99 times out of 100, in my line of work, things can be configured to where it can, whatever gear we're talking about, can probably do what you're asking it to do and be what it was before. It just, it it was such an incredulous thing to me. I didn't know how to deal with it. I had to, you know, I had to take a moment. I had to actually step back and say, all right, hang on, let me call somebody else here and let me just verify that I'm actually reading what I think I'm reading here. And it just, it blew me away that someone would have this type of tone in a business setting. You know, we're not talking about, you know, a, a, a lot of work where I'm going to make more money than you do if I perform better than you. It's it's not that at all. It it just, it, it even as I try and describe it to you, 
it really just confuses me. And it, it really confused me in that moment. And it, it, it's such a, a weird thing. It's something that I don't encounter very often. But again, you know, this tonal shift that people seem to be allowing themselves to engage in these days. And I don't want to, I don't want to say it's because of COVID. I don't want to say it's because of the state of the world. It's just something has changed within the culture that we have now to where people are willing to be as brazen as possible in a lot of environments and in a lot of circumstances because they think it's going to be okay or they think, okay, this is just how the only way I can get my point across is to be this level of brazen. That's terrible to me. I'm... I'm not the sort, again, I'm an empathetic person. I'm not the type of person who's going to seek conflict. So to see so many people seemingly being willing to do that and to really almost enjoy it, that is just so bizarre to me. Like I would sooner be copacetic and try and find a way to get along. Hey, let's compromise. Let's talk about this. Let's find a way that we can all get what we all, we want or either get something very similar or very close to what we all want than to be, you know, on this argumentative, just terror streak almost. And it just, you know, I don't understand why people want to be that way. And it's, it's, it's regardless of what your, you know, what your type of work is, whether you're dealing with, you know, uh, customers or private individuals or whatever. Just, you know, this is my point in saying all this. Try and be a little cognizant of how you deal with people. Because guess what? You might be the difference in whether or not the person that you're talking to goes home and hugs their family or if they go home and they hug a bottle of Jack Daniels. You might be the difference to say, okay, I want to go home and I want to love my wife or I want to go home and I want to hang myself. That's the sort of thing that we're dealing with nowadays. The psychological barrier that has been created by this state of the world that we're in, where people are isolated now more than ever, has been made worse by the fact that so many people are engaging in this tonal tonal betrayal of one another. And it's just, it's frustrating the hell out of me. I know, you know, I know this is very outside the norm in terms of things that I normally talk about on the show here, but again, it's my show. (laughs) So I, I wanted to take a moment to talk about this. I think it's important that we acknowledge the opportunity to talk about these kind of things, because if you don't talk about it, guess what? It's going to get worse. And to me, it, it kind of has gotten worse. I don't know really how it gets better. Other than just people acknowledging that the conditions exist and hopefully, you know, making a cognizant decision to say, hey, let, let me let me take a moment before I fire off that email or make that phone call or walk into someone's room, house, whatever, to address them the way they're going to. To let me take a moment and just get the entire set of circumstances and understand what might be going on before I choose to jump in with both feet and saying or doing whatever I've chosen to do. Uh, 
and I just I think that would mean a lot to people, especially people like me who have this sort of anxiety and who deal with this sort of thing. Uh, again, you know, I'm not asking for special treatment. I'm just saying, you know, be be courteous in some way, shape, or form to one another. It it doesn't cost you a thing to act respectful to one another. And I know people have had terrible experiences. Lord knows I've had them as well, to where you just don't want to deal with humanity. Uh, but at the same time, conditions exist these days to where you you really need to be. Because you, like I was mentioning a moment ago, you can be the difference in someone's life. There's an old saying, you know, the, the, the people who grow up around you know, churches and whatnot, like I did coming up and whatnot, there's a, a, a saying that goes, you may be the only Bible some people ever see. Uh, meaning, of course, that as a Christian, you're supposed to exemplify the things that are taught in that Bible. And that's the honest to goodness truth in terms of saying, okay, well, you may be the only piece of goodness that someone encounters on a daily basis. So at least try to be that, you know. Don't don't go into things with that kind of brazen, hateful attitude, because guess what? It's not going to help. It's not going to make anything better. And I'm not saying you have to go into things all rosy and chipper and fake. Just, you know, try and address things calmly. Try and do things in a way that is respectful and at least have a modicum of understanding for the fact that somebody else that you're going to encounter today is going to be walking on eggshells. And you can maybe keep those eggshells from breaking. So there's my two cents on you know, tonal abuse, tonal betrayal. I tried to come up with some kind of you know, coin term that I could tag on all this, but I, I couldn't come up with anything that was really relative and that made a whole lot of sense. But I think, or I hope, you know, in talking about this, that you guys get a sense for what I'm, uh, what I'm meaning and what I'm going for here. It uh, it just it it would mean a lot to me if people were to start to you know make sense of this and to to understand where a personality like mine comes from and saying okay you know I I want to understand what you're doing but if you come at me with that sort of rhetoric and that sort of tone more than likely you're going to wind up either one pissing me off to a point where whatever I can do for you is going to be so just innate and probably piss poor that you're going to get by with whatever it was, barely. Or, thank you, Roddy, appreciate you timing in there. It's very, very good timing. That's <laughs> with my dog shaking his chains around there. Or you're going to get me to a point where I just shut down and can't really operate. And that was what I encountered with the situation here. Others, you know, it's been one of the other ends of the spectrum there where I've just been plain pissed off. And, of course, you, you can't really act on it because if you do, then, of course, you're talking about some kind of legal issue. <sighs> it's just, it's it's really weird these days. And psychologically, you know, it, it's not something where I, uh, you know, I feel fragile or whatever. It's just one of these things where, I want to be in a good state of mind, and I feel like people as a whole want to be in a good state of mind, but that there are a lot of folks out there who, you know, they deal with their own thing, and they're, I'm sure that they're, 
their reason for being the way they are is because they're dealing with their own thing. But, you know, we all collectively should be more respectful of one another and be able to use tones that can be successful in communication without being hateful, without being you know, torturous, without being uh, in some way, shape, or form hurtful to others, period. So that's that's what I wanted to say. You know, I, I know I'm rambling. I know I'm just plain riffing. You know, this whole thing here has been one big riff. Had no notes, had no real point in trying to go from beginning to end with this talk. I just wanted to talk, period, because, again, you know, that's one of those things that can help with dealing with stuff like this. So there's my conversation about tone and about dealing with being an empathetic person these days. It's not easy, but it's, you know, it's it's what you do. Um, and I try to be that person, you know, and I, I know I fail, but I still try to be that person who spends time, uh, you know, respectfully thinking about, okay, well, let me see what you're coming from. Let me see what you're dealing with before I react, you know, and I hope others would do that as well. So it is what it is, folks. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Thank you for dealing with me as I ramble and rant and talk about all this inane crap that comes into my mind as we try and put together this show. So I hope, you know, in some way, shape, or form, if you're listening to this and you deal with that kind of thing as well, or, you know, some type of similar issue, I hope that you'll take the time to talk to someone, uh, even if it's, if you were, you know, if you want to leave a comment here on the uh, the thread related to the video or related to the, the podcast, by all means, you know, if it's, if, if that's an opportunity that you want to engage in, I try and reply to every single comment that gets left on these things. So if you want to talk, if you need someone to talk to, by all means, reach out to be glad to, you know, bounce some things off one another. And uh, if we can help one another, then that's fantastic. So we could be our own little support group here right on the old Rassler Redbeard YouTube channel with the Weekly Trip Podcast. <laughs> Folks, it is what it is. appreciate you tuning in. appreciate you hanging out with us. We're going to take another break here. As I said a little bit ago, this is a bit of a shorter version of the show than what we normally go with. Usually, these things are almost way in about an hour and a half. This one's probably going to be a little less than that, but still wanted to get one out here. Uh, We're still going to end up with our main, or our main, (laughs) yeah, it's going to be the main event for me because I'm thirsty at this point in this broadcast, but we're still going to end up with our traditional sign-off here with what's red beer drinking. So we're going to, let's do some music here. I'm going to get my beverage ready. We'll come back in a few to have a sampling of some stuff that I have been actually really, really uh, having a hard time locating. And you wouldn't think that it would be, but it's something that I had to actually search for. So we'll take a look at that. We'll give you my experience with it when we return for the final segment here on this episode of The Weekly Trim. Stay tuned. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 Halloween.
continuing to hang out with us here on this episode of the weekly trim podcast and as i said as we were closing out the last segment there you know we're, we're continuing on with our typical sign off here talking about uh it's something that red beard's drinking of course we always like to do what's red beard drinking for the sign off here on the program i mentioned that this was something that i had to hunt down and i don't know if that's the case everywhere or if it's just because this maybe isn't as popular of a, a beer in this part of the world. Um, and, and I'm going to describe this. I'm going to go ahead and say this, this is not you know, some kind of uh, you know, crazy thing. It's not some you know, off-the-wall brand or you know, some new thing that's hard to find or whatnot. This is something that's been around for a long time. And it was just something that I, I realized that I had never had. I've had others um, of this particular um, company's offerings. Never have had this before. And I'm talking about Coors Banquet. Just, you know, Coors Banquet beer. And here's the thing. I'm a huge fan of the Cobra Kai show on Netflix. And if you watch Cobra Kai, you know that Johnny... He loves his banquet beer. Just about every day, he has seemingly four or five of the things. Of course, he's got the little you know, jug-style glass bottles. This happens to be a pint um, can that I'm dealing with here. Um, as I said, I had to go around and look for this thing or to, to, to have any sort of Coors banquet experience whatsoever. Uh, you can find Coors Light everywhere here. I found this at a gas station and the funny thing is, it's not somewhere I usually go. It's sort of off the beaten path. I found this at the gas station that's uh, sort of near 26, near Interstate 26, not too far from where I live. Um, but again, not somewhere I normally go. The funny thing was that I went in there and I found the, they had a, like, a bunch of six packs of the little bottles like what Johnny drinks in the show. I went to grab one of them, and I noticed that the bottles had the like best buy date on there. They were past the best buy date. Like it, it wasn't like you know months, but it was enough to where I'm like, okay, 
that may not be you know the best experience there in terms of what this is going to wind up being. But then I looked through the cooler and they actually had the big pint cans of this stuff. So I'm like, well, that's fantastic. Let me make sure that it's got a good date on there. And sure enough, it did. So here we have a nice pint can, 24 fluid ounces of Coors Banquet beer. And, you know, we always like to talk about what the actual uh, you know, dynamic of this thing is when we're describing our experience here. Uh, this is what we're going to pull for the review here. This is from BeerAdvocate.com. The description is, Coors Banquet is brewed with 100% Rocky Mountain water and Moravian barley from many generations of family farmers. True to its roots, it is brewed only in one place, Golden, Colorado, and nowhere else. And it goes on to list the ingredients, which are water, barley, malt, corn syrup, yeast, and hop extract. So, you know, I've been looking forward to trying this. I, you know, it's one of those things where, like I mentioned, it's it's a domestic offering here, obviously. It's not something that's bizarre or new. It's just something I never had. And in seeing it you know, so vividly and frequently referenced on the Cobra Kai program, I'm like, well, you know, this is just, this is something we should do <laughs> because it, clearly if Johnny drinks that much of it, it's gotta be good. He wouldn't be drinking, you know, just some random stuff, some slop and foam. He would drink something that's awesome. It's going to help him score. Yeah. <laughs> We won't use the term there that he would have probably used, but, you know, whatever. Hot babes. We'll, we'll just leave it at hot babes. I have a hot babe. I'm married. I can't go chasing hot babes anymore. But uh, the other interesting thing that I was, you know, uh, noticing with this and with the description, this is actually 5% ABV. That's a little bit higher than what you would expect out of a normal domestic brew. But that's good, though, because, hey, the success rate that we're talking about here is what it is in terms of what the desired effect is with these things. So let's go ahead and we'll start off with our experience in cracking the old can open here and then we'll give it a pour. There we go. Nice easy pop top there. And this is ice cold. So we'll give it a pour into our glass. And as we look at the glass here, got a nice little head form in there. Color on this is a very uh, pale yellow, very, of course, transparent in terms of the overall look of this. It's just a, a traditional uh, looking beer there. It's not incredibly bold in terms of any aspect of it here. It looks fairly innocuous, like what you would expect out of a, a domestic brew. Um, let's put the nose to it, see what kind of aromatics we get out of this potentially mm, it smells very crisp and refreshing um not sure let me see if i can pull the uh, review back up here from and it is a lager uh, i was trying to determine if this was a uh, i didn't think this was an ale obviously but i wasn't sure if this was considered a pilsner or whatnot but this is um very crisp in terms of its aroma it has that very uh I don't want to call this a yeasty product by any stretch of the imagination, but it has that aroma that is very signature of a lager. It's obviously not an IPA. The smell of those is very much different than something of this nature. Um, very clean looking, very crisp looking 
uh, in terms of the appearance of the glass here. Got a nice amount of carbonation. Um, it's got a, you know, the, the smell of beer to some people is very off-putting, but to me, it if it's a good beer, it's very clean, very crisp, and it should smell. It, it almost it's weird, but it sh- it should have that sort of refreshing nasal experience there as well. I know it's hard to describe and to really get a sense of what I'm saying there, but that's just that's me and that's how I interpret a lot of these things. So let's uh, go ahead and give it a test here, and we'll put it to the gums and see what we experience with Coors Banquet Beer. Oh, yeah. You know, I um, I can see why Johnny drinks a lot of these. This is a good beer. And it's got a lot of flavor, um, but it's not incredibly bold. It's got a nice amount of aftertaste in terms of leaving that nice yeasty um, uh, bitterness that you expect from a beer. But it's not so pungent that it hits you in the nose and the throat. And makes it like type, you know, some, with some beers, they're so overpowering with the bitterness and with the yeastiness that it's just like, ugh, I don't want that in my mouth. This is very different. It, again, very clean, very crisp, very much something that's easy to drink in terms of being able to just enjoy, you know, a nice cold beer. And very, again, very refreshing. Um, this is a crisp I'd say, you know, in the, the same realm of something like a Budweiser or whatnot, because we're talking about, you know, after all, a uh, domestic lager. And uh, very enjoyable, though. Um, it doesn't come across as being something that has that much more alcohol in it. So it's it's a very enjoyable experience here. And I can tell why Johnny drinks a lot of these. Uh, this is a, a good beer. Um I'm regretting not having had more of these in my life suddenly because this is, I'd say this is better than just a, a regular old Budweiser um, and way better than what you would you know think of in terms of something like a, a Bud Light or some other sort of innocuous thing that people would just drink for the sake of drinking. This is, this is very nice. I'm enjoying this. Going to go back in for another sample here and see what we pull off from one more trip around the brew here with Coors Banquet. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what, you know, I don't sometimes I edit out the sounds that I make whenever I'm drinking these, but I might leave that one in there cuz I actually chugged what I didn't have a whole lot in my glass. Didn't pour the entire pint in there, but I chugged what I had left in there. <laughs> It just tasted good. I mean, it was just really something that I was enjoying and that I wanted to continue to enjoy, so I chugged it down. Um, very good beer. This is I'm very much enjoying this for something that is, again, uh, not something that's all that uh, impressive or outlandish in terms of what it is. It's just a good beer. And I am really regretting not having experienced this more often in my life. I've had Coors Light before. Coors Light, again, not something that you have any issue finding. For whatever reason, the Coors Banquet, it's just it's something that you don't see very frequently, at least not in my part of the world. So this is very enjoyable, very good beer, um, and it's something that I'll definitely pursue again here because it's something that uh, would definitely go easily with 
uh, all different kinds of foods and whatnot. Certainly, if you're grilling or experiencing something like uh, hot dogs, hamburgers, that kind of thing, steaks, this would go great with. Um, maybe not something like you know fish or whatnot, barbecue, sure. Um, but again, just a very enjoyable. And I hate to use the word basic, but it's it's no frills. We'll say no frills beer here, and that's you know by and large, that's what you want. You don't want something that's got all the you know. And as much as I enjoy craft beers, you don't always want something that's got hints of mango and passion fruit and pineapple or whatever. You, know, you just want a good beer, and that's what this is. It's Coors Banquet. It's a good American. Well, I shouldn't say American because Adolphus Coors. <laughs> He obviously was not originally from the United States, I don't believe. But uh, it's still, or excuse me, no, it was Coors. Wait a minute, what am I saying here? Who was the founder of this thing? Who's this on the bus? Wait a minute. I am confused. I need an adult. Adolphus A. Coors. Yeah, that was the guy. I'm not sure what his actual background is. I shouldn't have said any of that. I think he was German, but I'm not 100% certain. So, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, barley, you know, that kind of thing comes from Bavaria, so we'll, we'll maybe think that he's that from that part of Europe. Maybe, maybe not. Could be wrong. Discredit everything I've said up to this point. Yes, let's just go with that. It's a good beer, <laughs> and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. I'm going to enjoy this pint. And at this point in time, I hope you've enjoyed my massive rambling that has led up to me saying that this beer would get a firm three and a half out of five very good beer not going to cost you an arm and a leg it's something you can get ice cold and really enjoy on you know this is the we're way deep into october now and it's still warm outside so you can go out and enjoy this very easily so good stuff all the way around folks we appreciate you tuning in appreciate you being a part of what we're doing here on the old weekly trim podcast please continue to share, like, subscribe, comment, do all those good things that we as YouTubers are supposed to beg you for. And also, please remember to wash your mask, wear your damn mask, and folks, I'll meet you further on up the road. <laughs>